0: Welcome back to the Africa is a Country podcast. My name is William Shorkey, and if you are a regular listener and you did a double take at hearing me say the Africa is a Country podcast, well, you were justified in doing so. We have changed our name. It's a very subtle change. It's just changed from AIAC talk to the Africa is a Country podcast. The reason for it, to be frank, I think it just rolls better off the tongue and podcast gives you a little bit more freedom, a little bit more freedom to do with the medium what you must sometimes it might not just be talking it might be music it might be something else who knows but I assure you if you are someone who has been with us for a while and our change to being a podcast away from the YouTube show was big then this is probably gonna be the last change we will make for a while so don't worry not many more changes are going to come and thank you for sticking with us this while and if you're new Well, then welcome and a reminder of who we are and what we do. The Africa as a Country podcast is your weekly destination for conversations about current affairs affecting the African continent from a left perspective. You can find us on whichever platform you listen to your podcasts, Google, Stitcher, Apple, Spotify, as well as follow us on Facebook, Twitter and YouTube. And please give us a review. Tell us what you think. Tell us what you think of the changes. Unfortunately, Africa is a Country. Talk to Africa is a Country podcast is one change to stay. So you can't change that. But if there's something else you'd change, then do let us know. We appreciate all of your feedback and all of your support. So to get on to today's program, we are going to have a conversation with Maram Gay as well as Kumba Touré about feminism in West Africa, particularly in Senegal and how its recent scourge of gender-based violence is shifting consciousness on those issues, but not to the degree that we want. But before we get into that, a reminder of the conversation we had last week. It was a great one, first with Mamed Reza from the General Industries Workers' Union of South Africa about an ongoing strike against the South African dairy giant Clover, which was recently taken over by an Israeli company and a company that began a devastating campaign of restructuring that has seen job losses and factory closures. So to hear more about the ways in which workers are not only striking, but also drawing connections between the oppression of Palestinians by Israel, check that out. And keeping with Israel as a theme, I also spoke to Naeem Gina from the Afro Middle East Center, which is based in Johannesburg, about how Israel is trying to get accreditation on the african union and about the politics and maneuvers that are happening there so that episode is now live check it out and now for today's program joining us on the program to talk about feminism and gender-based violence in West Africa are Maram Gay and Kumba Touré. Maram is an associate professor of African and African diaspora literatures at East Carolina University. Her work explores gender, verbal art, and migration. She's also an activist of women's rights in Senegal and its diaspora. And then Kumba Touré is the coordinator for Africans Rising for Peace, Justice and Dignity, which is based in Dakar She was born and raised in West Africa and is a writer and storyteller. She designs and produces a range of education materials and programs for children and young people through the Falia Artist Collective and Production House. And she has extensive experience in facilitating meetings, engaging young people, and designing and implementing and evaluating programs promoting peace and justice especially for women. So those are just their short biographies. These women have tremendous experience working in the fields that they're involved in, and I feel really privileged to have them on the program today. Maram is a returning guest, so happy to have her back. <laughs> so welcome to both of you. Uh, it's it's wonderful to Thank have you here. Thank you
1: so much. Thank you for having
0: yes. us. So it's good to be back. It's it's good to have you back. So Maram, I wanted to, to maybe start with with talking about an essay that you recently published for, for Al Jazeera. And I must say it's a really striking and pertinent and important essay. So we're gonna get to, to some of the, the topics I know you want to address, but this essay titled To Whom Do Women's Bodies Belong, which everyone should read, is laying out the landscape of, of women rights issues in Senegal and, and talks about a particular incident. So. Could you, could you maybe begin by telling us about this piece and what inspired you to write it? And then we'll talk a bit about what the piece addresses.
2: Okay. Um, I think uh, I also want to put that piece in the context of the global issues about women's bodies, um, because at the time when I wrote it, it was during the time where here in the US, where I'm based, people were talking about abortion rights and then talking about um, the Texas abortion law that actually allows anybody to sue uh, a woman who um, did abortion or her doctor or anybody who helped her get abortion. So it's within a larger context of women's bodies and to whom do women's bodies belong that I wrote it. And the title was inspired by a question that Fatou saw, um the veteran feminist from Senegal, asked during a webinar that I participated in, and she asked to whom do women's bodies belong. And right at that time, um, in Senegal, uh, one of the former Miss Senegal, her mother actually appeared on video saying that her daughter was allegedly raped and became pregnant uh, from that rape and gave birth to a son. So she came public about that incident. and the then secretary of the pageant, uh, the Senegalese pageant, commented that in an interview that if she were raped, then she saw it coming or literally she wanted it because she's an adult and nobody can force her to do anything. So that infuriated us as feminists, as gender activists in Senegal and in the diaspora. And we talked about it a lot on social media and because I am here in the US, sometimes I feel really hopeless and helpless in the sense that Kumba, for example, is over there in Senegal and they are actually on the ground, doing the groundwork. So for me, my way of participating and 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 and, and, and um, having my voice heard and participating in this whole discussion and as an activist is to write so that I can not only bear witness, but mm. then so the whole, world knows what is happening in senegal because i think there is this kind of uh, i have written about it before this narcissistic um view that we have of senegal like it's a democracy it is a perfect country it's in peace and whatever but this peace is built on the bodies of women most of the time and these stories don't come out so um what happened is that the that woman when she said it of course it's outrageous of course it was just horrendous that she said that kind of uh she made that kind of comment and but people really um bashed her so much rightfully so but i think that the reaction was very different from if when when men and and muslim preachers go in public media and talk about women's bodies talk about rape or um I to do the apology of rape, of pedophilia, and nobody says anything. As a matter of fact, as I said in the article, um, Yusundur is employing somebody who was convicted of rape, and he's still on the platform every single day, re-victimizing the victims again. And there are so many other cases, countless cases of that. So I think that um, there was a double standard in the way that this woman was treated. Of course, what she said was outrageous, but at the same time, Everybody in Senegal talks about women's bodies, um, steps on women's bodies. Um, I think there's a a, a culture of paying lip service to women's issues without really doing much on the ground.
0: Kumba, would you like to add anything?
1: It's it's just so true. Um, I agree so much with you, uh, Maram. I I think that it goes, it runs deep and it starts early. And uh, we are conditioned, uh, whether we're you know men or women, to uh, accept and to tolerate um, violations uh, on on women, whether it's in the the speech or it's physical, uh, we, we 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 accept it, we tolerate it uh, very very easily. And uh it's a lot of work. I mean the, the I was just commenting to say that the uh the road is long, mm-hmm. but uh mm-hmm. it, it seems like we've we've picked up a pace though, uh, somehow. Uh it's it's harder now that you just you know something happened without having at least you know somebody or some people uh speaking out. Uh, we might sound like m- minorities or uh, not be, uh, taken care of or responded to, but, um, mm. the complete, the deafening silence, uh, has, mm-hmm. has re- resolved in some ways. And that to me is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. I want to, I want to talk about something you've just said, uh, now Maram, which is how people are often paying lip service to, to these issues but the actions to try and meaningfully combat them are often lacking. And thinking to January, 2020, when Senegal passed a law, finally criminalizing Mm -hmm. rape and and pedophilia, Mm -hmm. it makes me think of a -hmm. a conversation that's being had in South Africa, where I think there's a similar sort of disjunct between the laws that we pass in order to try and combat gender-based violence. And there's lots Mm -hmm. of talk from, government authorities, to, to speed up, for example, GBV cases in the criminal justice system, to, to be more punitive to, to people uh, that uh, commit uh, gender-based violence. But there's very little attention paid to the sort of social and cultural factors which normalize yeah. rape culture, which, for example, as yeah. you were saying just now, Kumba, that targets the way we've been conditioned to, to accepting these ideas. So. Do you think that this, this law uh, is going to, to change much? Or, I mean, you've, you've mentioned now that it's taken us uh, a long way further uh, into, into the conversations, but since its p- passage, um, how has it sort of changed the, the landscape?
1: I, I can say that, you know, the laws, they are needed, and we will continue to fight Uh, as much as we can to uh, put the legal framework that um, you know people and particularly women can use uh, when uh, they need it Uh, but yes like you say we know that um, uh, having a law is not enough Uh, we know it from a long time ago (laughs) that uh, people do not respect those laws Um, those who are supposed even to enforce them uh, are violators of them Uh, when uh, you know women uh, run out or come out of domestic violence if you go to the police and find a policeman that is violent (laughs) himself in his own Mm -hmm. family or even when he's not but consider that you know you should be listening to your uh, uh, husband and uh, instead of asking or checking on why you're not doing well they're wondering Mm -hmm. Um, you know, they're trying to tell you, please uh, just take it and you could you should do this and that. They try to advise you on what you're supposed mm-hmm. to do. So again, um, we have to change how uh, people react to what happens to women and to women's lives. Mm-hmm. And that takes more than laws to to yes. deal with. It takes yes. much, much more than laws. Mm-hmm. Thank mm-hmm.
2: you. I think I think there is a, the laws are needed, and we are so happy that we have that law um, criminalizing rape because it used to be that uh, stealing a cow was much more severe than raping a woman in wow. Senegal. Literally, yes, it was. Um, so, so yeah, it's shameful to say that, but that's the truth. So we are glad that we have the law, but now we need to combine all other aspects to be able to enforce this law. And that means education, that means advocacy, that means um, a lot of other things to do at the level of, of, of uh, the greater society, but also at home um, individually. And people need to be aware that these laws exist and that this is what's going to happen if you um, you you rape or, or, or commit uh, an act of, of, of violence against a woman. Uh, but at the same time, I think that the government itself, and um, this is not just uh, uh, on the, the law uh, against rape. There are so many other things that have been voted that have not been respected. For example, we just came out of the local elections where we, they were supposed to apply the parity law, which has been passed since 2010, but still you will find that at the head of the uh, of the city halls and or whatever, they have maybe 5% of women when they were supposed to have 50-50 or at least you know a a bigger majority when it comes to women but you see that even in these local elections that we just came out of in the last couple of weeks you would find that the board has exclusively men and they know that they're breaking the law so it's up to us now and other activists to uphold that law to tell them that look um, you are breaking the law and we're going to sue you for doing this. Because as long as we continue to comply, these laws are not going to be applied. We also need to 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 have more women at the level of judges, for example, who judges who judge these cases of, of sexual violence, for example. We need to have more women to be able to uh represent women who have been victimized in this way. So there's a lot to do and there are lots of things to combine.
0: Mm. Mm. And, and talking about a lot to do, uh, I want to now come to, to how sexual assault uh, is always kind of relegated to the fringes of, of national conversation. Miram, um, you. you brought it to our attention um, that once Senegal had had won the African Cup of Nations, which is a tremendous feat. And one that I think everyone on the continent rightfully celebrated alongside them. Uh, in those celebrations, yeah. uh, unfortunately, they were marred by by tragedy when uh, a number of women came forward and shared their stories of how they were assaulted by their their fellow countrymen. So, could you talk about how that conversation is is currently happening, if at all, in in Senegal, and and how it's sort of emblematic of of how, as you say. Um, women's bodies are are trampled on and and ignored.
2: That conversation is not happening. We as activists are the ones who know about it. Mm. Nobody has talked about it at all, even in the national media nobody talked about it. When President Sal gave his speech and talked about the three people who died and others who were wounded, I was just sitting there thinking okay there are wounds that are not sinned. And there's are the wounds that women carry so many women were um i'll just read one of them Please. that was actually openly posted on social media um she says this is the story of a little girl who in 2002 cries in front of the tv like thousands of senegalese a little girl who sneaks into hotels to get dedications and autograph jerseys and who grows up in hope in 2022 so 20 years later it is finally our year. She gloats to the point of losing her voice. She wants to celebrate with others. And then there are policemen And uh, at every 10 meters. It should be fine. This is, she's t- talking to herself. She knows the drill, simple closing, no valuables. Take your, car, your private car, always in a group, away from the crowds. And yet a dozen men out of nowhere will decide otherwise. In 10 seconds, they take me away from the group. They throw me in the crowd to smother the scene without any suspense, violence, sexual aggression, and attempted rape follow. I bite my, my blood. I hit. I scream. I will end up getting out of it for some miracle. I love my country, but so often it hurts my heart. This star, meaning the soccer star that we, we won, I didn't imagine it like this. This is just one of them. Another one said that she was dressed in jeans and t-shirts. So you see how women are always taking the precaution to not appear sexy, yet they're attacked. Another one was wearing a hijab and she and her 16 year old sister were attacked. There was a deaf and mute 16 year old who was gang raped. So all these stories are diluted, nobody talked about it.
1: Thank you so much madam for for I'll just, sharing. I just stop
2: there. I just yeah, stop there. I'm yes. sorry.
1: Thank thank you for for sharing this um uh, I mean I call them horror stories but they are our uh, our everyday's. And uh, I I I want to say that I don't have that even fiber of the celebration that even you know madam have because um, first of all uh you know the, the way that the, the sport is done and organized i already feel completely out of it <laughs> as mm-hmm. as a woman uh mm-hmm. and feel uh, that um the values that are given um the priorities that are set are not uh most of the time looking uh towards uh women towards uh, mm-hmm. poor people no. so I, I i tell you as much as people celebrate, I have a hard time. I have a hard time celebrating, uh, you know. And then, of course, I know when everybody was happy and all the kids went out to scream, you know, um, I stepped out to look and check. And um, in, in, in inside my belly, you know, um, something, you know, this fear came come out I know uh, we are not safe uh, in this crowd uh, just just yeah. by 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 experience by knowledge by stories that we've heard
2: yeah. and
1: uh, it is automatic to check on the kids on the young women and making sure please uh, be careful because we know that in yeah. that uh, in these things that is glowing and everybody's happy somebody some people give themselves license, and somehow they think that uh w- women and women's bodies are part of the prize <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's as yeah. if uh women's and women's body are are part of the 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 cup that the 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 players have received uh it yes. gives them license and it gives them uh yeah the the the, yeah. the the right to enjoy uh you know yes. some, uh, something because it's not considered as somebody uh yeah. with a will and a, a choice about this so yeah. um that's that's uh it's it's quite painful uh and um the stories that you you read maram uh and the one that also you know took me Really down is the story of the the other young women, the feminists, who went on Twitter, and Mm -hmm. who of course have have gone through all the moments and all the times of violation. But again, on this day when she was just feeling so happy and come out to celebrate with everyone, you know, somebody you know uh, uh, grabbed her vagina, uh, uh, and she it just brought her back down. To everything mm. that he's experienced yeah. before, um, yeah. and 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 uh, the, the, the fact that it's not even uh, it's it's not considered as as an issue, the fact that it's 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 not uh, part of the the, the 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 damage or the horror that people list is the normalizing that that, that I was yeah. just talking about, and exactly. the level of, of tolerance uh, of, exactly. of of women's pain. Uh, yeah. and, 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 and and women suffering uh, being I, uh, part of just what what people deal with. Yes and I, and,
2: I, and I will add that this when I was sitting there, I mean I celebrated of course and and, and this begs the, the question about women and nationalism and and what do you do? Do you celebrate your country or do you just sit there because your country has hurt you? You, you are in the middle literally and you don't know what to do and when i see this little girl who is four years old who they have put her picture as the emblem of the victory because she was celebrating in the u.s and her picture went viral and the the senegalese um soccer organization put out a tweet looking for her and they finally found her and they actually flew her to dakar and then she came out of the airport in a very celebrated way i'm thinking this is the same girl probably in 10, 20 years, that is whose body is going to be given um, if she were to. Like, this is the story of the mm-hmm. girl that I read, the, the one in 2002 who was watching as a little girl. So we're celebrating this little girl right now. But 20 years later, there are people right there ready to jump on her and, 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 and assault yeah. her. So there is this big, you know, uh, contradictory. Um, demeanor when it comes to talking about girls and talking about women so from when do this does this four-year-old move to this cute little girl that we celebrate to the woman that we don't care about whose body we consume as part of the prize as, as kumba has said so all of those questions should actually be talked about openly so that we can have a national discourse about it because we know that soccer itself is violent it is built on on on, on predatory grounds uh, not just in senegal but everywhere as so we mm. have all these issues with soccer players in in england with sexual assault and so it's everywhere and they actually are vested in this idea of masculinity that does not see women as human beings, as people who belong to the nation but they are actually part of things that we consume the same way that we would just grab a bottle of soda and drink after we have uh, won so this victory means that you have um right to grab women to do whatever you want and you cannot celebrate your your, your country as a woman because you know what is awaiting you outside as we've seen in all these stories. So it's really disheartening to see that everybody was waiting for this victory, but this victory is only good for men. It's only good for men. And you know, the, Maram, the, yeah.
1: you, you know, Maram uh, I've chosen my country. I am a woman and that's my mm-hmm. country to start with. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I love, I am African um and but i've chosen my country because i know it doesn't matter uh where i am from you know i am a woman and it will be shown to me and it will be shown to people who look like me so that that's my 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 first uh, step but you know i need to also speak about another thing i saw that that really shocked me in the celebration in the midst of this celebration Mm. There, there was this also image that went, I guess, viral for us because we saw it all over on the WhatsApp, of this young boy who was crying. And people were asking him, why are you crying? And he said, because um, Mohammed Salah is crying, the Egyptian guy. But this is a Senegalese boy. And you look at the video, and people are not only teasing him, but even like you know being angry at him or tormenting him
2: actually
1: aren't you senegalese take off our shirt and he he was so brave he took the shirt and threw it on the floor and they were like what are you crying about we won and i was looking at this little boy and thinking okay this is how you build a man that doesn't care Yes, of course Senegal won, and people can celebrate. But if somebody sees the pain of the the, the team that lost, and wants to cry with them, why is it an issue? Mm. Why do we socialize our young boys to be men who don't care about us? Why? So to me, this is a whole thing, that really need to be looked at the competition yeah. the 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 discarding of people the mm-hmm. uh, you know the, the the fixation about i don't know billions that people make as mm-hmm. if that's what life is about all of these things are connected and it's not separated from the violence are. that we they experience.
2: are and and they are They are. And and the the whole celebration itself is very masculinist. When you saw the people who went to the airport to welcome the um, the team, there was literally no women in that group. And yet, women are the ones who uphold the peace and try to make it. The reason why these women's stories actually did not come out in the national media, in part, was because the women themselves did not want to spoil the party. did not want to spoil the party even us even myself included as i was writing and trying to write this as an article i was thinking is it too soon to even write this because people were so euphorically celebrating that if you come out and talk about sexual assault they'll be like well look at the feminists again they're always spoiling the fun so Mm -hmm. i'm sure that part of the reason why these women many of them did not go public i mean they talked about it on social media but did not for example, go um to uh, the police or something like that they did not want to uh, destroy or, or or sour the national party that was happening and that's always the case because um there is this incident that somebody wrote about on social media there is a veteran reporter sports reporter named everybody knows in senegal and during the 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 ceremony of uh, that the president was uh, receiving the, the, the Lion of Teranga, he, he said that he was not invited by the president and, 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 and the, um, the soccer organization, but the first lady invited him. And in that gesture, what I saw is women always the ones upholding Teranga, smoothing seams and, and making sure that things are right, but nobody cares about what's right for women. And- That's how I see it.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm. I'm. Thank you. Thank you so much to to both of you. I, I think you've you've shared so much, and I'm. I'm really struck by by this idea that runs through what you've both said, which is that the idea of the nation excludes women, and I think it's something that is is very poignant to think about right now because we're almost seeing a a resurgence of, of nationalism in Africa. So thinking about the wave of coups that are happening in the Sahel as, as Africans are, are apparently, so we are told grappling with the question of whether or not liberal democracy works for them or, or neoliberalism works for them or whatever. It's, it's, I'm struck by how, when you think about all of these conversations, there's, there's nothing about, about women, for example, you know, in in these conflicts, uh, in in the military takeovers, in all of this, it's 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 come down on me now, where I'm just sort of realizing, like, oh my goodness, you know, there really is nothing about women about how these conflicts have devastated the lives of of women, um, how women are excluded from the conversations about what happens next in places like Mali or Burkina Faso or or wherever it is and i don't really have a question to be honest but just to to sort of to sort of continue yeah. to is this, is this mean, sort of perennial problem of of africa where since this is post colonialism we've just never included women as part of the nation the idea of the nation as you said excludes it's women it's real it's real and uh, uh, when when i say
1: i know where i'm from and which nation i'm from i mean it uh because um when when the laws uh when you have still laws in mali you 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 you, you, it's still authorized to 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 uh, you know mutilate women we still have it come on It, it it it's the country like when when your country cannot protect you as a female body to be mutilated what country are you in how when 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 you when you 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 start going to school and there is no way you can go to bathrooms what country are you in when 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 you when when you are harassed by your own teachers uh, when when you you go to work and have to fight you know your, your co-workers and your bosses and when you, 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 you turn to the justice of your country and people are laughing at you, what country are you in? When the country legalize that someone who has the same capacity, the same level than you, can and should make more than you, what country are you from? So if we look at it very clearly from that point of view, Then you look at the representation, and Maram just talked about it. You go on to voting, you go on to places where people are in the government, in business, anywhere, and you are in the margin. Sometimes some of you can be picked and put somewhere. If you're somebody's girl, you, you are not part of the story. The, 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 the militaries can do their coup. They could bring down some men and bring some other ones. And forums us can be o- organized so people can discuss what's the next thing. But when you've lived oh. through all of those things, and here you are, you are not part of it. It takes too much to I even get the think- word heard go ahead i don't
2: think i don't think any of this nationalism um, these coups or anything include women in fact there is a disregard when you have this disregard for life in general you are actually disregarding and taking for granted the reproductive labor of women because all these men you are killing were carried 9 months by women men and women so there is this taken for granted and actually this, assuming that women are here just as reproductive machines, and then we can do whatever we want with their bodies and even the bodies that they produce. There is that, that one aspect. At the same time, when we talk about women, within the context of Senegal or anywhere else, it is just in terms of consumption, bodies to be consumed. During the, um, the AFCON, before Senegal qualified for the final, um when i think it was at the quarterfinals or whatever when Quiate um scored two goals one goal mm-hmm. actually to 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 give us the win the whole discussion was about the fact that he has two wives and they actually took that opportunity to talk about polygyny and use it as a, a segue to be to say that well polygyny is good you need to have too wise, whatever. But all of this discourse is about women and how to consume them. It has nothing to do about bringing women into the conversation, making them as a priority in the country or in the nation. In fact, many women are seen as enemies of the nation, as especially feminists. Mm. So there is this whole violence against feminists, whether on social media or on the ground, that is meant to literally frame them as enemies of the nation.
0: What do we? What do we do? What do we do? What is being done? How? Where can we see uh, a light in, in a dark tunnel? I think we began this conversation thinking about how what a modest success it was that this law in Senegal was passed, and I think as you've rightly pointed out in in other forums, feminists in Senegal are working tirelessly. To put these conversations on the national table to get the laws and frameworks that need to be passed, passed, and to shift consciousness. How how is that working on Muram? You've just said that feminists particularly are viewed as, as enemies of the nation. So what is the state of the fight at the moment? And what is the next the next battle that has to be waged? <laughs>
1: Well, you know, um, to me, um, every time we speak about what's, you know, what's not happening, what we also need to do is talk about what is
0: happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And
1: um, the the reality is that, um, at least for me, witnessing uh, the, the the connections of the stories that really uh, cross the borders, um, we're not talking about Senegal.
0: Just no, Senegal. This is South Africa. This is, all Africa. This about, is Tanzania. Uh, this is everywhere. Africa.
1: And um, the fact that more and more um, those stories are connected, and women and men, you know, realize that uh, this is not particular to to a country, you know, to to a specific place, but it's the whole systemic things to change.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: The realization of also that. The harm that it does to all—not just women, but to everyone—the harm that it does, even to you know the more like I want to say, capitalistic the people more and more see that this doesn't make sense. To you know, uh, put on aside this num- this many numbers of people suffering, is not good for anything. And uh, so, to me. Uh, I I see every day uh, people moving, people trying, people responding Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. individual needs to start with because you have to start somewhere. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sometimes it's just a case, but we know that a case is not just a case because that one person going through Mm -hmm. that one issue, you know, is representative to something bigger. Mm -hmm. So when we follow it and support, whether it's financially, whether it's by giving it visibility, Mm -hmm. whether it's by telling the story or giving Mm -hmm. some um, emotional support. What we are actually doing is breaking, you know, a bigger curse than just what is happening with that person. And to Mm me uh, that that's phenomenal because given the adversity, given the difficulties, given everything around us, the possibility is there, and that there are some people, some women, some organization, mm-hmm. some people who actually organize and make things happen. It gives yes. me a lot of hope.
2: Mm. Yes, there are There are so many organizations. I'm, I'm so happy that right now in Senegal, there is this large discussion among gender activists, feminists um, who are helping not only helping uh, just to to solve cases like individual cases, for example, from their own money sometimes, sometimes with the help of other people who donate, but at the same time, um, trying to organize, to have conversations about how do we tackle these issues? How do we do the strategizing? A lot of is happening um via whatsapp for example where people take case by case and talk about it and then develop strategies in order to sell them individually but also put them at a larger context in order to dismantle really these patriarchal norms Um, there are organizations like for example dafodoy that are doing they were behind the 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 law of the 2020 law Um, one of the organizations they are doing campaigns for example to sense it, to to uh, actually advocate and 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 let people know that rape is a crime, for example, and that mm-hmm. this is what you're going to get if you if you accuse of rape. This is what's going to happen if you um, charge with rape. So there are so many things happening, and some people are doing their best writing and making sure that they educate people. For example, we are very present on social media, engaging with people and um, going and doing webinars. Like there is a a conference on feminism and gender violence that is happening next week in Dakar. That's going to be a larger one where all of us are going to be there veteran feminists and and gender activists, like the older generation, the next generation, everybody is coming in conversation. So there are so many things happening. Of course, uh, like Kumba said, we always start by talking about what is not working, what is not being Mm -hmm. done. But at the same time, there is so much resilience. There is so much agency on the ground. And, and, And women are ready. They are not going to be quiet anymore. So that's the beauty of it. People are talking about it like they said in, in French, les people talk, people talk. So because people talk now, we are more aware, all these stories were shared, some uh, intimately and saying that, okay, I give you authorization to share it. But many of these feminists are every single day on the ground, whether on social media or on the physical ground, working with victims, trying to do something and really talking amongst each other. So there are so many things happening. And mm-hmm. like Kumba said, there is no stopping us.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I look forward to to hearing more uh, about what happens uh, during this conference that you mentioned, Muram. And, and thinking to what you've just said now, Kumba, uh, I was struck by how you addressed how a lot of this work involves making clear to even the people who are the parent beneficiaries of the system, that it hurts them too. And you mentioned capitalism. And I think increasingly around the world, we're realizing that we've reached the boundaries of capital accumulation and exploitation. We're devastating nature. Pretty soon this planet is going to become uninhabitable for not only mankind, but all planetary life. And Mm -hmm. I I think this is something that I'm I'm not myself, in in whole agreement with. But I think it's interesting that capitalism itself is often viewed as being coded by a kind of masculinist logic, a logic of consumption, a logic of devastation, and so on and so forth. So it almost feels like we're now in a position where we're forced to think about not only an alternative way of organizing society, but an alternative way of relating to each other, one that is more compassionate and caring and this often gets gendered uh which i think is maybe can be problematic in itself but that's how we we often counterpose them so i mean i'm combined i'm interested to hear from you especially uh, you're you're involved in organizing about a very important issue on on the continent which is about access to water and there's there's efforts to to sort of hold these uh continental forums in, on water and you're you're organizing an alternative World Water Forum—one that foregrounds the experiences of women in trying to ensure water access and stability against sort of the privatized transnational companies and and the like. Could you could you talk a little bit more about those organizing efforts and and how? And I think it's something we can I mean, that gets lost is that these these other issues of organizing. Thinking back to something you said, Miram. About reproductive labor, but also about social reproductive labor. About how when women are organizing for water, organizing for for the protection of land or whatever it is, that's that's a feminist struggle, um, and that's something that we should we should also spotlight as feminist struggles.
1: Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. I mean, um, water water issues are women's issues. It is uh, in the end. Uh, women's bodies and poor women's bodies carrying waters and looking for it and providing it for, for the families. Um, you know, big capitalist groups can only thrive because in the end, uh, women take the burden of the last through. You know, I always say it, it is uh, the time when women strike and say, we are not doing it. We are not going or we are not going to put the energy into something that things start changing as long as we bear the burden nobody realize that okay things are working it's moving somebody's making money but in the end who is not making anything at all and giving for free her time her sweat her body to make things work it's women and yes when we talk about change it has to be Profound change. It's not just about relationship between men and women. It's about how uh, our societies are built and what we expect people to do, and who we expect to do things for free, and who expects, or or uh, for very little, and who we expect to make, you know, the 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 buck. And that's that's where um, it is extremely important that all struggles whether it's struggles for environment struggle for democracy that they support and be part of the feminist struggle Mm. because feminist struggle (laughs) is not and is so far for being about women it's about changing power relationships Mm. that allow some people to dominate and allow the suffering the killing and the exploitation of some others, well women happen to be a big body of that you know uh, suffering from 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 that power imbalance, but they are not the only one
0: mm. i I mean do you think we will ever Reach a point where, and thinking back to how you both mentioned earlier, that a sign of hope is the transnational solidarities that are being built, the cross border connections that people are making. Do we think we'll ever reach a point, and there's been historical precedents, but where women on the terrain of social reproduction organize and strike and withdraw? They say, they say unmasked no we won't i mean i think that would be quite quite remarkable as as you just said kumba where you know we always think that the the bedrock of productivity in society is is in the factory it's in the goods and products that are made and that we consume as end products but it begins at home as you said it begins with the person that has to collect the water that sustains the household and sustains the family and if we begin to say, that should be the locus of organization. Before we we talk about organizing at the factory gates, we talk about organizing at the home. Um, That's the beginning.
1: That's the beginning and that's where it starts. And we don't have a choice but move there. It's already happening. Mm. Even the, you know, this height around violence against women, I tell you, I listened to the stories many times. Why did he beat her? She didn't cook the food. Well, you don't know how to cook and you're hungry. That's all. And you know you can beat somebody into making the food for you. But hey, the girls, they're seeing another life. They're not a cooking machine. They'll cook when they like it. And there is a whole generation that won't cook, don't like to cook. And they're facing a generation that don't think, or that is still thinking that they're in relationship with people like their grandmothers. Mm. And that's where the height of violence is happening most of mm-hmm. the time, because we are not on the same planet. We are raising mm. our girls to be strong, to be open, to shoot for the moon every other father is telling oh my girl will be this and that and we are raising still our boys to live like dinosaurs they will not find their matching counterparts and they will be violent because they don't (laughs) know how
2: else to act yep that is that is what it is that is what it is i think uh, you 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 say it really perfectly kumbar uh bell hooks had said that uh pat- patriarchy hurts men more than it hurts anybody else they just don't know it and it is time that men come out of the dinosaur age and then see that women are not born with a spatula or a ladle in their hands they socialize to cook for them so now that socialization is breaking because us this generation we our daughters we are not raising them just to be cooks for for a man or to exist for a man we're not raising them and also i personally i'm not raising my boys to think that they are going to be served by women so when we start doing that raising our boys to be self-reliant knowing that they are human beings who were born with two hands just like women then we are moving somewhere but you talked about something uh that made me think of this metaphor of we were talking about the environment and i think that the way we treat the environment is exactly the way we treat women's bodies Mm -hmm. it's the same thing we have taken the earth for granted as our mother earth and whatever she does is for us but we are we feel no not compelled to do anything for her But we see that nature is telling us now that she actually has agency. So women are doing the same thing. They're not sitting around and just, you know, not doing anything. Of course, we have, there are certain places where we have to help and really make sure that women are aware of what is happening to them. But there is this whole um, revolution that is happening. And that's exactly why there's so much gender-based violence because men cannot take these changes.
0: I think that's that's a perfect place to to conclude our conversation. I'm I'm tremendously grateful to the both of you. It's it's especially, I think, uh, enriching for me uh, as a man and understanding the way my own perspective has been shaped by my standpoint to hear from the two of you. So I'm extremely grateful.
2: Okay.
1: Thank you for um, giving us the space and uh, to oh. to give. Uh, I want to say importance to these conversations. It's 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 something that we need. So thank you for making the space.
0: It wasn't it wasn't mine thank to you. give. You both created the space uh, yourselves and and <laughs> held it well. And I was. I was happy to listen. So I uh, reminded me. It's a real it honor
2: you. to share this with Combo, to share this space with Cumber. I admire her. I admire the work she does. She's a warrior and you That's know, fine. a warrioress.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: Same here, same here, Marilyn. So I can't, I
2: can't uh, I, wait to I, see I, you soon.
1: Always happy to to hear your voice and to see what you write and to read and to learn from you. Thank you for everything you're doing.
2: Thank you, William.
0: Thank you, and, and to Thank our you, listeners, William. you've heard, we've had two great guests, a reminder of who they are, speaking to Maram Gay, who is an associate professor of African and African diaspora literatures at East Carolina University, as well as Kumba Torre, who's a writer and storyteller and is the coordinator for Africans' Risings for peace, justice, and dignity. Thank you so much to the two of you. Thank you to our listeners for tuning in. A reminder to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. Review us, tell us what you think, as well as follow us on social media. And I will be back next week with more interviews on topics related to African current affairs from a left perspective. Until then, goodbye. (laughs)